Hello everyone and welcome to Friend Diagram. This is the podcast where two friends catch up and find common ground between their favorite media. I'm Remy. I'm Kat. And today we will be doing a head-to-head episode discussing our favorite Emily Henry novels, Beach Read and Book Lovers. Warning, spoilers ahead. Kat, you're back from your trip. I'm back. Hi, Remy. How are you? I'm well. It feels like you've been away forever. We're both really excited to pod again. Gosh, I'm so excited to be back. I did a ton of reading while I was on vacation. So yeah, I am closing in on the fifth book. I like have 50 pages left of the fifth book of vacation. So awesome. I just kind of devoured a bunch of different books, three of them being Emily Henry novels, which is what we're talking about today. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I just, gosh, it was such a good vacation and I just didn't think about work at all and got to relax for two weeks and really enjoy being with Scott and yeah, soaking up some sun was, was a good time. That sounds amazing. Uh, it was a hellish time at work for me, oh, but no. I was happy for you in spirit. I was like, at least my friend is on the high seas and someone oh. <laughs> is enjoying their life. Oh, no. But you just like wrapped up a big kind of like milestone thing that was happening. Yeah. So I wrapped a huge project today. Immediately checked out mentally. Congratulations. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I walked myself home early because I was like, I cannot oh, possibly concentrate on any tasks that aren't required. Yeah. And I like went home, watched The Departed, <laughs> listened to Moondog. It just had like a lot of good fun good. Media time to myself to get my spirits up. <laughs> And I feel really good now. I ate some pasta. <laughs> it was Ooh. a good time. What kind of pasta? I had a bolognese Ooh. and some arancini, which is not pasta, but, you know, also fun. Hmm. Sounds delicious. Did you order out or did you make it at home? We ordered out, uh, yeah. Special yeah. special celebratory meal. Will also achieved the same milestone. Mm, um, mm-hmm. So we were in the same type of hell together, which is always nice. Yeah, it's always nice to have someone going through the same thing. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to have a real weekend this weekend, Yay! too. Like, I don't have to go into work either weekend day. I'm going to go to the fucking movies. I'm so excited. Do you have oh, something that you're that you've already planned out? Oh yes, you know it. Uh-huh. I'm gonna tomorrow. I'm gonna go see How to Blow Up a Pipeline. Ooh, that came out today. Uh-huh. I'll go see it tomorrow. Um, there's a couple other films I have my eye on, but I am so excited about the slate of movies coming out mm-hmm. in the next few weeks. Uh, it's gonna be awesome. Yeah, I'm excited for Pipeline. I'm excited for Bo is Afraid. That's coming nearer and nearer. Um, Showing Up comes out this weekend as well, so I might see that. That's the new Kelly Reichert movie. Um, Master Gardener, the trailer for that dropped while you were away. And I've been um, just crowing about (laughs) it to everyone that will listen uh, in your absence. That's the new Paul Schrader movie. And it looks like it's going to be... A real good time <laughs> for all the Paul Schrader people like me. 
Awesome. And then, oh, the new Wes Anderson trailer dropped while you were away, too. That's coming out in June. That's going to be Asteroid City. And uh, it looks like my my guy, Jason Schwartzman, is going to have a big role in that. And I'm always a big fan when when he's a star of a Wes movie. So that's awesome. Things are turning around, Kat. Anything else that I missed while I'm away? The birds are returning. It's, um... It's real time spring now mm-hmm. in New York City, so I can hear more and more bird song every morning. I can hear the morning doves are back. Uh, I'm a big fan of their little coos in the morning. It really brightens my day. I fucking love a morning dove. Aww. And they they're very active out in our like courtyard area. So Ah, uh, that's so nice. That's been lovely. So I was on the cruise and it was like ninety degree days, right? And then I went back to Minneapolis for a couple of days because that was where I was flying in and out of and I was staying with a friend Mm -hmm. and it was like 29 degrees and everything was frozen and horrible and I was like, I hate this. And then I came back here to the Midwest and and um, it was like 65 degrees when I got here and I was like, oh, that's lovely. So, yeah, I I went to all of the different extremes there's been a lot of tornado activity while Mm -hmm. you were away as well i don't know if you were getting those like yeah there was a tornado right outside of our town yeah or two tornadoes there was one south of the town and then one that ended up like kind of west of the town and did some damage um, a couple days where there was a like extended period of tornado warning which is pretty early because that was back in march and I don't, not normally anticipating tornadoes in March yet. Mm-hmm. It was a real life twister. <laughs> I was watching like some storm chaser footage on Twitter and yeah. there's a guy in this area who does like a live stream on YouTube. So I was watching that and wow. that's pretty cool. It's very like you're in the car with the guys yeah. from Twister and they're like super weird and they just like are narrating <laughs> the whole time. It's great. I love it. Uh, I'm so glad they're weird. <laughs> yeah. Makes me I can't wait watch for Twister 2. Oh my god. I, I hope, hope they live stream in Twister 2. How could that they not? That would be cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man. <sighs> Sorry, I just had to confirm that Philip Seymour Hoffman was indeed in Twister. He was, just so you know. He's the favorite, my favorite weird guy in Twister. Oh. I'm having a hard time picturing him that young. Yeah. You know? <laughs> He's adorable. Is he the... Oh, I can't even remember any of their names. I've got to rewatch that movie now. Well, should we jump in? Let's do it. I'm up first today because we are doing a head-to-head, like Kat said, and that means we already have one thing in common with our two pieces of media, and today it is that we are both covering novels by Emily Henry. I'm covering my favorite, which is Beach Read. That is her 2020 uh, romance novel, and it's an important book to me because I think it is the very first time I ever read completely and enjoyed a romance novel. And I think it is no coincidence that that is true for Emily Henry's book because I think she is unparalleled in the contemporary romance space as an excellent writer great storyteller, and a great 
character developer. Mm -hmm. And I really like all of her books. At the time of this recording, she has many books, but three really popular romances Mm -hmm. so far. uh, Beach Read, The People We Meet on Vacation, and Book Lovers, which is the one Kat will cover. But Happy Place, her next one, will be coming out very soon. And so this is our our lead-up hype for Emily Henry. And I'm going to be repping Beach Read because if I had to choose a favorite, I would say Beach Read is my favorite of the three so far. But Mm. it's really close. I mean, they're all extremely high quality, so enjoyable. They're all really great. But I guess Beach Read is kind of like a sentimental favorite for me because I really like the characters and I just really like that feeling of discovering something new, like an entirely new genre mm-hmm. that I had never enjoyed or explored before and being like, wow, this this is what potential feels like. <laughs> and so Beach Read has like a special place in my heart for that reason. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, it's a contemporary romance. And it follows the main character, January Andrews, who is a romance novelist in the book. And you are meeting January as she is reeling from the sudden loss of her father and also struggling to gain financial stability and professional regard as a romance writer. So she's in a really low place in her life. Something she prided herself in before was being like kind of the ultimate romantic, the ultimate optimist, a really big believer in love. But when some family secrets were uncovered uh, around the time of her father's passing, she kind of got introduced to the world of pessimism, which is where I dwell. (laughs) And... So you're meeting her at at a very troubled time in her life, which that's just good stuff. (laughs) And because she's struggling financially, she has to uh, move out of her city apartment and into a beach house uh, on Lake Michigan that she inherited from her father at the time of his death. And she is feeling really, feeling a lot of trepidation about moving into this lake house, rather. Not a beach house, a lake house. It's on the beach. And yeah, a a lake beach. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And moving into this lake house because it was essentially her father's like second family home that he shared with a woman that is not her mother. And that was news to her when her father died. She didn't know he had, like, a second wife, essentially. And so she's feeling pretty down on that situation, (laughs) understandably. Yeah, that sucks. (laughs) Because her parents were kind of like her idols in, like, the romantic sense, you know? Absolutely. They were very influential in her, like, really big on romance, big on big love and optimism energy they were very much the inspiration for that because from the outside they seemed like the the poster people for that type of thing um and so you know she's not only dealing with grief for her father she's dealing with the loss of that illusion of what love could be and you know what people are striving for in life so that makes it really hard for her to write her romance books because her 
authorial style is very much in that optimism vein. And so she's having really severe writer's block because she can't deliver that same type of, of optimistic romance story that her readers are used to. And so she's on a really hard deadline. She needs to turn around a draft for a book in uh, like two or three months. So she basically has the span of a summer to write a book and she's really feeling that pressure because she's not in like the right headspace to deliver the type of manuscript she's used to delivering but she has to because she needs money and when she moves into this lake house she discovers that the next door neighbor is her college creative writing rival augustus everett and in the time since they've you know had classes together in undergrad, he's become like a really well-regarded literary fiction author. And he is basically the opposite of her normal energy. He's much more of a pessimist. <laughs> he's prickly. Prickly, yes. And they kind of have, um, they get off to a rocky start when they kind of re-meet as neighbors and have kind of a fight. And so things start off with some bad energy, and that's always fun. Um, but he, it turns out, is also on a really hard deadline. He needs to turn around a manuscript in generally the same amount of time. And so through the machinations of people in the town, namely the side character Pete, who is really cool. I love <laughs> and Pete. And she's uh, Gus's aunt. Mm-hmm. She kind of does some social maneuvering and gets them to talk to each other. And they basically make a pact where they will be the like competitive motivation to get each other to work through the writer's block and make a manuscript and sell that manuscript by the end of the summer. And the catch is that they have to write that manuscript in the style of the opposite person's normal genre. So Gus has to write a romance and January has to write, you know, literary fiction. And as part of the agreement, they kind of like coach each other on the ins and outs of their respective genres. And so that's the premise for why they have like encounters on a regular basis as part of that coaching. And that's, yeah, that's the main premise of the book. That's the setup. I won't give it all away because it's really easy to talk about everything I like about it without, you know, giving it away, yeah. even though it's I'm sh- it's hard to give away a romance book because they generally end how you'd expect. But something I really like about Emily Henry's books is that even though you generally know where things are going, there's always more layers to the development of the characters beyond this, you know, central romantic relationship. And that's why it's so important to understand and emphasize where January is in her life at the beginning of the book, because she goes through like a complete character arc the way you would expect in any normal book, but in a way that I think can be lacking sometimes in romance books that aren't as concerned with having really nuanced and layered characters that need to change in some way other than getting together with someone romantically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That's one thing that definitely stood out to me 
Like these are full people with full sets of challenges facing them and like other priorities other than relationships, which I really liked. Yes, exactly. And they also have like really rich backstories that you learn over the course of the book, you know, like things that happened to them in their past that have informed the way they are now you learn about that not just for january but for gus as well like he's not just some one-dimensional love interest he's like a very you know three-dimensional character that has a troubled history and motivations that are you know opaque to january at first but over the course of the book like she understands their past interactions much more and it's really fun like seeing the flashbacks to their time in college Mm -hmm. and understanding them with new context and I just loved the way that Emily Henry excavates that information and gives you just enough detail at all of the right times. Another really good thing that is true of Beatry but is also true of all of Emily Henry's books in this vein is that there is great banter between the two leads. Mm -hmm. She writes really good banter that is genuinely funny. It is the funniest fiction conversations I think I've ever read. She just, I don't know how she does it, but she's so skilled at writing jokes between these characters and executing them and bringing them back again and adding on to them and having it be a really great demonstration of those people's characters. I love it. Mm -hmm. She does such a good job. Um, I just love it when they're like giving each other shit for stuff. It's great because it's like that's that's what real flirting is. (laughs) It's just making fun of each other. It's great. Um... And I like that she always incorporates some type of interesting commentary about issues that I'm interested in. So one of the central pieces of commentary for Beach Read is discussions about how women's art and women's perspectives are often like discounted and downgraded because they center on women's stories Mm -hmm. and how, you know, the book's January rights are, you know, disregarded because they're like women's fiction Mm -hmm. in quotes or romance and that means they're taken far less seriously compared to Gus's books even though like they're both books they're both fiction books but the way the book world works um is that stories about women are less serious somehow Mm -hmm. and I think that's really, you know, timely commentary, but I think it's really interesting in a metatextual way because Emily Henry so skillfully provides a counterpoint to that by giving us these really rich characters that have really satisfying and full arcs and have desires and motivations outside of romance that completely demonstrates that this is a fiction book Mm -hmm. and it happens to be about a female character and there happens to be romance in it but this is just a really good fucking book and it doesn't have to be downgraded because of that in people's estimation so it's a really really cool thing that she's pulling off and (laughs) i I couldn't respect her more for it. She's amazing. But yeah, she covers a lot of cool topics that are interesting to me. So for it 
example in the people we meet on vacation she talks a lot about millennial ennui mm-hmm. <laughs> and that really that really gets me going so she knows what I'm thinking about all mm-hmm. the time I don't know how she says it <laughs> but yeah I love like the social commentary the social commentary that she interweaves into mm-hmm. each of her books it's very skillful it's very satisfying Another thing that I love about Beach Read is uh, Gus Everett. I think he's my favorite male protagonist from each of the books that she's written so far, which is, it's a hard call because they're all really great, but they're all very distinct. Mm -hmm. And I think that is also a demonstration of her prowess as a writer because all of the other romance books that I've like started and put down have kind of a, a a romantic love interest that is either one-dimensional or kind of cringy or just like <laughs> they're interchangeable mm-hmm. if you know what I mean yeah it's kind of like a template yeah but all of Emily Henry's um, male protagonists are very distinct and I think that's because she gives them such rich backstories and motivations and just fleshes them out as entire characters and Mm -hmm. so of course they're distinct they have different shit going on but I would say Gus is probably the most god how would you describe him he's like a pessimist like I said he's pretty grumpy but he's also like very very willing to be vulnerable in a way that I found very endearing Mm -hmm. and he's also open to learning. That's one thing I really liked about Mm -hmm. January and Gus's relationship, which is exposed via their competition, is that there is uh, a mutual respect and they agree that they can both learn something from the other because they're each an expert in their own craft. And he's never um, dismissive of Mm -hmm. January's work. He just totally understands that they do categorically different things, but there's not a a difference in value of those things. And I really like that. Um, I also like that when they're disagreeing on something, January kind of gets a little bit defensive. And Gus, instead of also getting defensive, is like, let me explain why I said what I said so that you understand how I'm feeling. And Mm -hmm. she's also willing to make things a productive conversation. And I think it's just a really realistic interpretation of the ways that people react to what they deem to be demeaning comments. Yes, I think that's a great point. And that dovetails with another attribute of this book and Emily Henry's books at large that I also think really make them the best examples of contemporary romance in that the amount of suspension of disbelief for these characters is minimal. Another way of saying that is that in a lot of romance books that I dislike and stop reading, the main character is so clueless or so unaware or just so ridiculously unbelievable that I just can't even like read about them mm-hmm. for another sentence. And I'm just like, this person's so stupid. I hate this book and I don't want to read it. But all of the main characters in these books are, they have like realistic thought processes and they will communicate 
with the other person and not have like this huge conflict hinge on a misunderstanding that can be cleared up with a simple discussion. And that's kind of like a pet peeve that I have for characters in other books where it's like, I simply cannot believe that you couldn't be bothered to say this one thing and resolve this entire issue Mm -hmm. in a moment, you know, but in these books, like they have the discussion and it's not this like huge plot point that I can't believe and I can't get past. Um, so yeah, like you were saying, they hash things out and just like much, much easier to get behind the story when I actually feel like this person is navigating these choices like a hypothetically normal person would given their character traits. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I really like Gus Everett as the male protagonist. He's into really cool shit like death cults (laughs) and REM. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, yeah, I think we have a lot of shared interests. Um, and I also really just like the competitive spirit that they both have. Mm -hmm. They are both confident in their skills as writers Mm -hmm. and as teachers. And I just really enjoy that. Like there's not a weird, um, power imbalance between them. They're just simply different people, but they both agree they can learn something from the other one. And that's just a really healthy dynamic that I enjoy. Um, and like I said, it's there's really great pacing, and I just love learning about each character more and hearing more of their backstory and watching them learn from one another and making better and better choices as the book progresses. And also like actually having to reckon with their like deep-seated issues in mm-hmm. order to progress because it wouldn't getting together romantically is not how you how you round off a character arc like mm-hmm. that's not that's not a character that attribute. doesn't make like, you, you actually a have to change the character person. exactly thank you <laughs> thank you thank you cat yes you actually have to change your character and the romance can be like a secondary you know result of that but mm-hmm. there's an actual fucking arc where people learn and they change and they incorporate what's happening yeah. and they make better decisions and they progress as people and characters and i cannot emphasize how important that is enough it's great i love that and um Also, I said this before in our top five comfort media countdown where I talked about how I love to revisit the Emily Henry trilogy, especially in audiobook format, because Julia Whelan, the narrator, just fucking crushes these books. She does such good voice work for all of the characters. She voices them all. They're very distinct. They're very believable. And her acting is so good. Like, she's a world-class voice actor. She's love doing that. great work. So, yeah. Love that. Great work, Julia. <laughs> I'm so glad she, like, always does all the Emily Henry books. Yeah. They're, like, such a great team. Very good stuff. Highly recommend. Um, and so, yeah. I mean, I love Ibitreed. I love all of Emily's books so far. And I think she has really put like really shining examples out there of how to write a contemporary romance with great characters that are real 
three-dimensional people that learn and grow and also happen to be in a romance. (laughs) And yeah, I would say the only other author that I've come across that even approaches this level um, of success in uh, accomplishing those attributes of story is Rachel Solomon. She has two books out so far. The first one is The X Talk, which is about podcasting and radio. (laughs) It's really good. (laughs) And the other one is Weather Girl. And I think she also captures a lot of these um, elements that I'm speaking about as well. So if you have exhausted your available Emily Henry and you're looking for someone who does the same good stuff, uh, check out Rachel Solomon as well. The only other thing that I would add about Beach Read that I really liked was the female friendship. I really liked the mm-hmm. character Shandy and Shandy's like kind of romantic journeys that she goes on and how oh, yeah. uh, January views views those romantic journeys um, with the haunted hat. The haunted hat was yeah. 10 out of 10. I was having a good time with the haunted hat. <laughs> You don't have code names for all of your friends' love interests? No. Oh, that's the best. <laughs> my favorite one ever. <laughs> we and my friend, when we would serve tables, I was, like, casually seeing one of the servers in the restaurant upstairs, and my friend called called him my website. <laughs> I don't remember Why? <laughs> But he would say, like, oh, are you seeing your website later? And I'd be like, no. Oh, I'm done with that. I love that. Yeah, no, yeah, I've you never had have that experience. Beers. That's the best. But I love that. I think yeah. Emily Henry does a really good job writing female friendships in mm-hmm. her books in just, like, a really also realistic way. Like, that was one of my favorite parts of People We Meet on Vacation was the main character's relationship with her friend Rachel and mm-hmm. also the dynamic between the main character and her boss was really interesting to me as well. That was um, interesting. I I just think she like hits it right on the head. Are you ready for your pick? Yeah, so I'm talking about book lovers today. And for additional context, um, I read all three of these books in about three days consecutively. Wow. <laughs> Um, and I think I sent you messages after each one and I was like, this one was great. This one was also great. Oh, wait, no, this one is even better. So that was kind of my progression through all of these books. Yeah, I was so pleased when you started texting me because I really talked to these up <laughs> to you for like <laughs> two years now. And I was saving them specifically I know, for my I know. honeymoon. And but it was they like, were so worth saving. Oh, good. Because... You know, I always get worried when I, like, talk something up that you're not going to like it. No, (laughs) your recs are always good. I I don't think I've ever had a rec that I didn't like from you. But by far, Book Lovers pulled ahead for me as my favorite of the three that are out so far. And this is her 2022 release, and it centers around a literary agent named Mm -hmm. Nora. And Nora is really well known in her kind of field for being like really cutthroat and specifically cutthroat when negotiating for her clients who are authors. Mm -hmm. And she's just like a really great advocate, but also kind of intimidating to everybody in the field. And when, when we start this book, she has just been 
dumped by a man who is from the city and he goes to a small town, meets a small town girl and decides he's going to stay there and fall in love and live his best life. And um, it's like the perfect Hallmark happy ending for him. Mm-hmm. And later on in the book, we find out that this is not the first time that something like this has happened to Nora. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, this is the fourth time that she has been that she has had this exact scenario happen to her. And so she's feeling pretty frustrated. She's feeling like she's got bad luck. And so as kind of a bonding trip, her sister suggests that they go on a trip to a small town called Sunshine Falls, North Carolina. This is a location that one of Nora's clients, Dusty, set a romance novel in. And Libby, her sister, really enjoyed that book and wants to go visit Sunshine Falls. Libby is pregnant and Nora is like extremely protective of her sister and like very anxious whenever her sister is pregnant. So she's like, yeah, I'll go with you. Um, something seems up. So she's trying to figure out what's going on with her sister throughout the entire book. And Libby is kind of trying to get Nora to have her own small town happy ending where she goes to a small town and falls in love with a small town boy. And, um, <laughs> and Nora's like, yeah, okay. Um, and, when they finally get to Sunshine Falls, Nora starts running into someone she knows from the city named Charlie Lastra, who is a notoriously difficult editor to work with. So she keeps running into him in all of these situations, and they begin to bond in some pretty silly ways, like she emails him some uh, oh, <laughs> big yeah. fun erotica <laughs> And he reads it and they start texting about that. And then they collide in a bar and have like a really cute interaction. I love the bar scene at Papa Squat. And Mm -hmm. it's just like such a funny series of coincidences. And what you find out is that Charlie is actually from Sunshine Falls and He is there working on some family things, and they start to grow closer over the course of this vacation and really start to kind of form a a friendship and then a more romantic relationship. But I really love this book. I think it highlights again how different all of the protagonists are in her three novels because she's also writing about these characters in different stages of their romantic lives as well. So in Beach Read, I think the main characters are in their like mid-20s and Mm -hmm. I think it's similar for people we meet on vacation, but in book lovers, the protagonists are like in their 30s, like their early 30s. And I think that that really comes across. I think that you get kind of a more mature relationship coming from the interactions between Nora and Charlie. And that's something that I feel like is a real strength. Because when I read Beach Read, I loved the tender moments that you get between January and Gus and like these 
just really deep moments of sharing vulnerabilities and um, crying and just comforting one another. And I think that that's a really important aspect of a relationship where there's like mutual sharing of things like that. But then I think in book lovers, you get kind of a, a similar scenario where two people are bonding and sharing these like more vulnerable moments, but in a very different way. One thing that I really like about Charlie's character is that when Nora is feeling vulnerable or expressing vulnerability, he is not pitying or um, he just kind of is able to ground her and kind of bring her back to like what things really mean. Um, So for example, there's an interaction at, at the bar and um, she finds out that one of her clients is kind of basing a character off of her and it hurts her right. feelings. But instead right. of being like, oh, you're not like that. You're great. He's like, yeah, you are kind of like this. And it's funny. And it's a good quality about you. And I like that about you. And yeah. I think that that is just like such a lovely spin on that kind of interaction. And I really like that instead of being like, oh, I'm really sorry that that hurt you. He kind of just is like, it's just a character. It's just like inspired by the way that you are, but it's all good things about you, you know? Mm-hmm. And he can recognize those qualities because he shares a lot of them yeah. as well. I really like Charlie. I think he's my favorite of the male protagonists with uh, Augustus as a close second. But um, there are just lots of like very well-written moments that are shared between Charlie and Nora. I was just rereading some of like the scenes between them and there's a lot of like, and she, he leans in close and she can feel his warm breath on her jaw. And I'm like, (laughs) ah, so good. Someone come put their warm breath on my jaw. Um, But again, it's like just a, a perfect mix of like these very intimate moments, but also witty banter and scenes that kind of go from zero to 100, which I found very satisfying in this book specifically because in Beach Read, I would say, and also in um, People We Meet on Vacation, it was a little bit more of a slow burn. But in Book Lovers, you get into this lust and relationship a lot quicker. And I think that that pacing really worked for me and I really enjoyed it and I found it really compelling. Yeah, I really like that she's mixing that up. Yeah. I think it's really fun. Yeah. In my notes, I just wrote like swoon a bunch of times, like (laughs) to different scenes. But I just, I, there's just so many good scenes. Um, Similarly to Beach Read, where both of the main characters are going through these personal journeys and these personal issues. Charlie and Nora are going through a very similar kind of personal journey where they're both feeling a lot of obligation and responsibility for certain family things that are happening Mm -hmm. in their lives. And they feel the need to take a leadership role when their families may or may not deem that necessary or even want that kind of, uh, sacrifice. And specifically, we see a lot of this with Nora, where she's a people pleaser. She um, desperately wants to fix whatever is going on with her sister and 
figure out like how she can make her sister's life perfect and fine. But you find out that she's given up opportunities throughout the book, um, throughout her life that would have been life changing and like her dream just so that she could make sure to provide for her sister. Mm-hmm. And I think that that personal journey is one that a, a lot of people can relate to. And I am a person that is like currently working on doing less people pleasing. And so I found Nora's journey to choosing things for herself that are best for herself really satisfying. And I just thought her growth was very realistic. But I guess my main point with the the kind of people pleasing thing is that a lot of times in our life, our friends or partners or family members don't want us to take over and fix everything for them. They just want to hear, hey, that is super shitty that that happened to you. And I'm here for you. And I love you. And you let me know what I can do. And I just really liked watching how both of the main characters kind of do that and deal with that. Yeah, I really, I agree. I like how that central relationship that has to be repaired and has to change in this book is actually Nora's relationship with her sister. Yeah. Um, And that's like the most fundamental change that happens. Yeah. And I think that Nora makes a very mature decision for herself at the end of the book and doesn't know what's going to happen with her relationship with her sister or her relationship with Charlie. And I liked that because I didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah, me too. I think that the way the ending ties it all up Because you know it's going to work out, but you're not exactly sure how. And I liked the way the ending kind of tied it up where she is rewarded for doing this thing for herself and making the finally making a decision that benefits her instead of considering all of the implications for other people. And I just liked it. And the ending scene was beautiful. I loved it. I love the decisions that people make Mm -hmm. at the end. It's very satisfying. Yeah. Uh, it's <laughs> great plotting. Love yes. it. I liked all three of the books. I'm really excited for Happy Place. Mm-hmm. It is pre-ordered, so I'm ready <laughs> to receive it. <laughs> These overlap really nicely, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we can do a quick friend diagram. Sure. Do you have anything? Yeah. Since there's so much in common between them, I guess I'll just highlight two things that are common, but perhaps the most important to me. Mm -hmm. Um, The first being that we have really well-rounded characters that actually have to make important life and career choices. Mm -hmm. And those choices are actually what um, rounds off their character arc and not a a relationship. Mm -hmm. And secondly, just the excellent banter and the really good... (laughs) That's really good, so good jokes, really good chemistry, really good dialogue between yeah. the romantic characters. Just unparalleled stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think one of the main things that tie these two books together, too, is that they kind of, from the outside looking in, you could classify these as uh, enemies to lovers trope. Um, yeah, but definitely. I personally feel like that's a little bit inaccurate because the main character qualifies it as like a a rival or an enemy 
Um, yeah. But I think what Emily Henry does really well in these books is she writes about the stories we tell ourselves in our head, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. So like yeah. every person you meet, you're forming a narrative about the way they're interacting with you in their head. And then eventually you find out more about that person and you update those prior assumptions and you can see things in a new light. And I really like that. And I think it adds to the realistic nature of these relationships forming because it isn't just like people at each other's throats and then they become like besties and they're Mm -hmm. together for the rest of their lives. It's like Augustus having a long running respect for January and exactly um, January interpreting his critiques in class as being like digs at her, but really he just like thought that she was going to make it and he wanted to intellectually engage with her, but didn't quite know how to do so. And similarly with Charlie and Nora, they, Nora has formed this impression that Charlie doesn't like her because she showed up late to a meeting and, then Charlie's like, oh, no, I had something else going on that day. Like, mm-hmm. your, your assumption is just wrong. So, yeah. And I just love that. Yeah, the rivalries were invented. <laughs> yeah. But I yeah. think that it's so realistic to how we, as humans, have a tendency to, like, be very egocentric and just, like, kind of view every interaction only through the lens of what another person is thinking directly towards us Mm -hmm. where there's just so nothing's happening in a vacuum. And I think Emily Henry, like just masterfully shows how people update their assumptions about other people. And that's how friendships form. And that's how relationships form. And you can have a bad first impression and still end up being friends with a person. And Mm -hmm. I, I just think it's, it's really nice. She does a really good job with it. You gotta update your priors, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Those are excellent points, Kat. That was really well spotted. I totally agree. Like it, it makes no sense when people go to like immortal enemies to like lovers. Yeah. You're totally correct in that not only is it kind of like an egocentric, not exactly a rivalry, but it's also a very gradual build too changing your mind about someone and that's way more believable yeah and much more interesting too yeah just i loved like almost the mundanity of it it didn't have to be like these big dramatic shifts it could just be it's evidence-based it's like you're learning about those characters like I don't want you to change your mind unless you have a good reason and we're seeing the good reasons and people don't fall in love at first sight Mm -hmm. I love that it directly goes against that, like, love at first sight trope, right? And even Mm -hmm. in people we meet on vacation, like, the first interaction between the two main characters of that book is not a good first impression. Like, they left that thinking that they'd never see each other again, and then they Mm -hmm. cross paths over and over again. And I think that she just, I just love that. It's just so realistic to how we interact with people. Yeah. And that's what makes her such a great author. Hell yeah. Keep it up, Emily. (laughs) You're doing good work. Also, I can't believe she gets us a new excellent book every year, like without fail. How does she do it? Inspired.
Thanks for joining us this week on Friend Diagram. Thank you to Tyler Seek for the creation of our intro and outro music. Did you take any of our recommendations? Have any thoughts on the show? Let us know at frienddiagrampod at gmail.com and we might read your email on a future episode. If you can, please take a moment to rate and review the show on your podcast app of choice. And we'll see you back here, same place, next week. Bye for now.